This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Maggie, I feel like I'm in another world right now. I know. <laughs> nobody nobody even knows. No one's going to appreciate this, but we are doing, this is at least my first video for Collider Dailies using StreamYard. I'm used to using it for the merry hour, so I'm mm-hmm. not completely like out of sorts right now, but it's an adjustment. Also, for anybody watching on YouTube, I don't know if this actually worked, but we're going to try to start streaming from, oh, it's it's working. I'm looking at it, Maggie. We are live on Twitter as well. (laughs) I I am going to like and share this and I will say, Maggie, how are you doing? How are your days so far? It is hard to believe that it is Wednesday. This week feels like it should already be Thursday or Friday. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I am saying Twitter in my tweet and I don't care. We're live on Twitter and that's all that matters. Yes. yes. It's kind of cool. It's kind of really cool. cool. I'm really excited about being on multiple platforms all at the same time. And me leaning into the camera to type gave everyone a good look at my hat. So everyone <laughs> has an assignment between now and when I leave for Sundance. I will wear, I won't wear a different hat every day because my head can't handle it, but I will model many a hats and you must tell me which one you like the most and I will bring a couple to Sundance um uh, we'll, on uh, your social media <laughs> we've got we've got a plus one for the hoodie the, the this is a New York hoodie I need to make sure I keep some warm clothes in New York so I think this one is stuck here Mike but tell me about the hats give me a hat report Maggie we've got an interesting story to start we with. do <laughs> so Here's a, here's a little background for anybody out there who needs it. Um, in 
January 2024, which I still can't believe I'm saying, the copyright on Steamboat Willie officially expired, meaning that Mickey Mouse is now in the public domain. This means that anybody in the United States can use Steamboat, the Steamboat Willie version of Mickey Mouse without having to worry about copyright infringement. So that specifically pertains to the Steamboat Willie version, which means that Disney still retains um, protections of other versions of Mickey Mouse versions like, you know, big eyes, red shorts. So it's not a free for all, but it does give a lot of people the opportunity to play around with a version of an iconic character and play around. They have, we've got a couple of uh, news stories that came out immediately after this happened. One being an untitled horror comedy based on steamboat Willie from Stephen Lamort. Apparently in that movie, a sadistic mouse will torment a group of unsuspecting ferry passengers. Production is set to begin in the spring. A quote from Lamort says, It all comes from our love of these characters. Filmmakers, we're all kids in the sandbox. We love taking them and playing with them in different ways. It's not a desire to ruin these characters or make a quick buck, but to love them and honor them and show them in a new light. How do you feel about that, Maggie? Is that how you see these creative opportunities? I am not super positive about any of the things that have been announced this week because I, and you know, I love horror. I I think it's a wonderful genre. There's a lot of movies in the horror genre that I like, but I hate that every single time a classic character enters the public domain, the first thought is horror. There's never like, how can we do something that hasn't been done yet? Something more creative. I feel like horror is always everybody's like first pick and there's so many other things that they could play with in that sandbox and I think that's where I'm that's why I'm frustrated because everything this week has just been horror this horror that it's like another blood and honey and I'm like come on can't you think of something other than like let's make this a sadistic mouse that murders people you delivered that argument to the wrong person I know I know (laughs) know, like you love horror so much I'm like I know you probably are fine with this but but it's just like (laughs) but I I do get where that concern comes from because I I do think that there can and this can happen in any genre Mm -hmm. I think we need to be doing this with films and you know other other forms of entertainment of a certain quality mm-hmm. I mean the the desired end result isn't you know public domain it's a free-for-all everyone whip up whatever you can as fast as you can and put it out there I want I want to see some things done with with purpose and with quality and with production value and I have to be hopeful that that will happen in some instances here mm-hmm. but you know, also I do I do like the idea of people being able to play with and reimagine things that we have been trained to love in a certain mm-hmm. way. And obviously it is important for certain characters and certain brands to be re- to be protected in some respect. But you know, what is it like 90 years on this one? 95 years? 95. It's 95. You know, let, let, let people have some fun with Steamboat Willie. I'm not I'm not against that. I just again I hope that these things are done with a certain level of respect and quality. Yeah. I do like I saw Screamboat Willie and I love that idea. Screamboat Willie. Who said that? I think Mike said it. Yep. Yes. Mike K. I'm on point. On point, my friend. Oh, this is where it came from. <laughs> Steamboat yes. Willie. Screamboat I don't know. I don't know about that. So we <laughs> we brought up this horror comedy that they're making. Then there's a game as well. And there's already a trailer out for this game called infestation where players take on the roles of exterminators called to rid a storage facility and other locations of rats. Did you watch that trailer? I did. Unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. You didn't like it. 
<laughs> it was weird. I just, I don't know. It felt more like it could have been its own thing. It didn't need to be Steamboat Willie. Yeah, like, I, I think I'm cool. with you. Yeah. I, and, you know, like it, that to me felt like something that might have been whipped up rather quickly. quickly? Yeah, that was like a reaction. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much I, I don't know how much I love that. Um, did you ever see Blood and Honey? Unfortunately, I did. <laughs> oh, so you, you like really didn't like it. <laughs> there was just little aspects of it. I think the idea was really neat. When I first like saw the, the concept, this was really like the advent of the taking a classic character and turning them to homicidal maniacs. I was like, oh, this is like a cool play on this. And then the actual product, I was like, that was fine. Yeah. Just- I I'm not gonna say that I that I loved it, but but again, I do like the idea of someone doing something different with beloved characters. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I've been saying for years is because I I think a, a question back in the old days that used to come up on these live streams all the time is is maybe specifically like what would you want to see have a horror spin on it? And mm-hmm. I always said the Lego Movie because I oh think it'd be gosh. really exciting and interesting to see like. Oh, like Lego blood and stuff like yeah. that. So I'm, I'm new kind of open to these ideas. Lego. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel like there's great possibility there, but I, I guess Lego like is not do the a saw, Like a saw and Lego crossover with I'm, like tor- torture with Legos. I mean, see, now you're, now you're talking my language. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how many people out there are like, yeah, I need torture with Legos, but. <laughs> I I do feel like Lego horror is a is an untapped yeah. gold mine. Jigsaw likes to build Legos in his spare time. <laughs> Jigsaw building Legos. I mean, maybe that's how he designs his traps. They're actually all modeled via Legos. There you go. He's a, a Lego model uh, YouTuber. <laughs> there, there we go. We've already put the ideas out into the world for when Lego goes into the public domain. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens with Mickey Mouse, though. I'm sure we'll be covering stuff like this quite a bit uh, through through the year because I have imagine I have to imagine a lot of artists are going to jump on this relatively. Oh quickly. yeah, there so- was a, another one came into the public domain too. The other half of Peter Pan is now there. The play oh yeah, and and in the U.S. in yeah. the U.K. it's still owned by um other foundations but and tigger yes tigger too well we'll see what happens (laughs) yeah real i should have said it like that missed opportunity we'll see what happens with all that next story on our agenda today is a quote about the currently untitled ray movie um which of course we'll see uh daisy ridley reprise her breakout roles so we don't know all that much about the movie just yet other than the fact that it is set 15 years after the rise of skywalker but director Charmaine Obey Chinoy did just share some enthusiasm for the project. In a New Year's Eve interview with CNN, she said, I'm very thrilled about the project because I think we're about to create, uh, I think what we're about to create is something very special. I would hope she thinks it's something very special. (laughs) Um, Another quote said, we're in 2024 now, and I think it's about time we had a woman come forward to shape the story in a galaxy far, far away. Um, the article had noted she would be the first woman and first person of color to direct a Star Wars movie, which mm-hmm. is accurate and very exciting. Does do these quotes up your hype for this untitled Ray movie or does it remain where it was before? Um, I think it definitely makes me excited to hear like everybody involved, both Daisy Ridley um, and the director being very excited about it. I think that helps kind of ramp up the excitement a little bit for myself i'm still not like 100 percent like 
Yay. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm excited. I, I'm I'm hopeful. I still very much feel a lot of reactions from the Rise of Skywalker every time somebody mentions, even when you mentioned it's set 15 years after the Rise of Skywalker, yeah. twitch, twitch, twitch. Uh, but I'm excited. I think that, you know, her work that she's previously done on projects like Miss Marvel, I think there's a lot of, you know, excitement there. Um, and yeah, I was still kind of surprised that CNN had the exclusive interview on New Year's Eve. <laughs> Little, yeah, out of out of all out of all networks and of all times. Um, but here we are. I think I have um, been somewhat trained out of getting excited about Star Wars news, comic book movie news, etc. Because no. we've had so many big franchise announcements that I get really, really pumped about just for them to never pan out. Yep. So I think I'm kind of in the mode of protecting myself and not getting too excited about anything because there's no guarantee that it's actually going to happen. And exactly. that's kind of what's taking over my mind right now. I am someone who, pro- I didn't love The Rise of Skywalker and admittedly, ever since seeing it for the first time, every time I rewatch it, I see more cracks and you know my, my, uh, my love of it decreases. Yeah. I do see you uh, watching it more than twice. <laughs> there there are a bunch of little elements in it that I, I do still really like. And I do think signal uh, creative potential for the future that mm-hmm. I like to hold tight to. But, you know, who who knows? And the yeah. other thing that I think about all the time is as much as I really do love Ray and I love Daisy Ridley in that role. And I love a lot of the new characters that were first introduced in Force Awakens and beyond in the new trilogy. I'm still of the mind that I I just want newer stories. Same. Like, it's a galaxy. It's a galaxy. Why I can't love. we go to like a, a like a, a bizarro corner and do something different? I know. I would love to live in a world where I can watch Star Wars content and never have to hear the name Skywalker again. Like I, I just like I, I mean like I want <laughs> on the other side of the galaxy that yeah, people yeah. aren't being you know tormented by the, the Skywalker curse like those stories which is like yeah. why I'm really excited for the acolyte because that sets so far before everything that we have that there's stuff that's brand new for us. I'm very excited about the acolyte. I think I'm most excited for the acolyte also because I really like Leslie Headland and Leslie. I I think uh, I think the creative possibilities are endless with her in control over there. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah. you know. Maybe, maybe not seeing Skywalkers directly involved in a main narrative, but I would love to see, you know, even, and I I do understand that, you know, it's a business and certain characters will inspire more people to give a movie a shot within a franchise. But I think there is great potential in telling a new story with different characters where, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's directly I mean, I'll take out directly where it's indirectly being influenced by what the Skywalkers had done. Like yeah. that's something I would be very open to. Yeah. There's uh, a lot. It's a, it's a whole galaxy. And I feel like we're so stuck in this one little corner of it. Such a, such a big galaxy, so many different abilities and, and types of mm-hmm. individuals and technology. I'd like to explore even more of it than we have. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. 
If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right. Our last topic of the day is a pretty big one because for the first time in over half of a decade, since 2016 specifically, someone other than Disney has taken the yearly box office crown. That studio is universal. In a year when Disney was celebrating its 100th anniversary, the House of Mouse grossed a combined $4.83 billion at the global box office. Universal eclipsed them with an estimated 4.91. Oh, yes. <laughs> Did you see this coming, Maggie? At what point in the year was the writing on the wall for you? I think when everything started to shift release dates and things were very apparent that they weren't going to like meet schedules that they had previously established and things started getting canceled. That's when I was like, Ooh, Disney's starting to slip. It looks like they're losing their like hold on the, uh, the box office. And then, you know, Oppenheimer did so well. And some of the other titles that Universal had last year were big successes and Disney and, you know, the 20th century projects weren't doing as well and I was like ooh but this still surprised me it didn't surprise me by the end of the year yeah. i think i think you know if i'm being real if i'm being honest the only point in time when i seriously considered this was when oppenheimer went on to make nearly a billion dollars at the mm-hmm. box office that is huge and heavily unexpected you could walk around saying in the first half of the year yeah i thought barbie and oppenheimer would do well I would love to see someone who has proof of their prediction that either movie would come anywhere close to a billion, if not cross it in Barbie's case. But at the beginning of 2023, I never in a million years would have guessed that in a year when Disney had a number of Marvel movies, a live action Little Mermaid, um, a new Indiana Jones movie, Wish. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on. I never would have thought when a studio had all of that with a built-in audience that it would have not managed to top the box office when that is an achievement. It is done so consistently. Yeah. So I'm a little shocked. I am a little shocked that we're having this conversation. I know. And I feel like it plays off of what you were just saying about with the Ray movie and like keeping enthusiasm kind of at a a minimum because there is that superhero fatigue, which this is part of. We're seeing that, you know, know, the Marvels didn't do well last year and all of these things that didn't do well. And then, you know, last night we had this news that Steven's dropping out of Thunderbolts, which was originally supposed to come out this year. And it just, it seems like this might be a new pattern for Disney, not hitting those previously achieved uh, t- goals and totals. Yeah. Mike is always here to point out some really good animated news. And this is yes. true. The the carryovers do count. And, you know, I'll, I'll balance it out there. So Universal had the carryover in Puss in Boots, which is exceptional. If someone wrote oh, so good. Puss in Boots because, I don't know, you don't love that franchise, please watch that movie. It's One of the best movies I saw last year. Yeah. Um, but Disney had that same benefit via Avatar. So they both went into the new year pretty strong and one kind of, you know, I'm not going to say tanked. I mean, it's still made a significant, it's still made for 4.83 billion, but you know, for Disney with all the IP it has to not take the crown again is a pretty big deal. Looking ahead now, do you think it has the potential to, take the top spot back or is another studio, if not universal, bound to top it again? 
I think another studio will take that claim this year. I think Disney has a lot of uh, restructuring to do with how they market some of the movies as well, because there's a lot of movies that could have done much better last year that I felt like were quietly released. And those are the ones that came over with the acquisition with 20th Century. I just think they could have pushed a little bit harder. Um, And so it'll be interesting to see if they kind of, it's like the Searchlight movies and all of that, like how that does in the new year. So... We've got we've got uh, our friend right here saying a lot of things are going to make a billion. Um, De- I mean, Deadpool Deadpool yeah. has a chance, especially if the marketing is done right and mm-hmm. the movie is actually good. Deadpool is a movie on Disney's 2024 lineup that could make a considerable amount of money. Watch out for Inside Out too. That first Inside Out movie made a lot of money as well. I do think they might have a bit of a of an uphill battle with uh, Mufasa. Yeah. I, I, you know, Lion King did okay, but I, I think they're they're losing some faith with their live action adaptations. I would like to think Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is in good shape as well. I think if it's good and good word of mouth starts to spread pre-release, that could help it a lot. But mm-hmm. it has been a, a significant amount of time since the last installment of that franchise. And then another one to consider for Disney in 2024 is Fede Alvarez's Alien movie. Yeah. Which I'm very excited for that one. You never know. But again, I think that's another franchise that has a little uh, goodwill to win back. So Disney has potential in 2024. If I am looking at that particular lineup, and then I'm looking at what Universal has, though. Universal has Kung Fu Panda 2, Fall Guy, Despicable Me 4. And those Despicable Me movies make a lot of money. So much. Gladiator 2, highly anticipated. And also Mm -hmm. Wicked Part 1. Wicked, I think, could wind oh, yeah. up being in a pretty big smash. And then, I don't know, uh, isn't Twisters like a, a joint effort between Universal and Warner Brothers? So where, where is so. I'm like yeah. not entirely sure off the top of my head where the main money would go. But I don't know. Looking at those lists, I think it's going to be pretty close between Disney and Universal again. And then you could go over to uh, Warner Brothers, Doom Part 2, uh, the new Godzilla movie, Furiosa, Beetlejuice, Joker 2. Yeah. A couple movies there that have real real potential to pop big. And then it's also worth reminding everybody that, again, at the beginning of the year, no, even if you predicted that Barbie and Oppenheimer would do well, coming close or passing the billion dollar mark is a different kind of thing. If something else surprises us like that next year and it's not a Disney movie, we could be having the same conversation again at the top of 2025. I absolutely guarantee we will be. (laughs) Oh, you guarantee it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just looking at remembering who is on that list for both Warner Brothers and Universal and like that potential there seems like we could have a repeat of this conversation next year. But it'll it'll be curious to see. I mean, there's a lot of factors that, you know, we didn't, you know, see a strike happening last year and a lot of things that, you know, you can't necessarily plan on this year. So never know. I think uh, JG here is spot on. I think uh, Disney will b- be back at it again on top in 2025, but 2024 will go to someone else. I think okay. I'm, uh, my predictions are right in line with you, JG. I hope you all have enjoyed this edition of Collider <laughs> Dailies on StreamYard. Some of you out there might even be watching on TikTok, uh, TikTok on uh, maybe one day on one day. Twitter. On yeah. Twitter, I hope you're enjoying watching over there. Maggie, is there anything you want to shout out or promote before we sign off for the day? Not anything yet. 2024 is starting off slow for me, but looking forward to where things are going. I feel like you said that in a way, like you were disappointed. 
enjoy it because <laughs> that's not gonna last very long i know i'm like I, it's the calm before the storm yeah i i'll promote this which came out um it was the last ladies night episode of 2023 and i hadn't had the chance to promote it but if you want to watch a brand new uh episode of the show we have one with carla gugino up and running on the collider extras youtube channel and not that this surprises me one bit but like what a great interviewee she's so good and it's just incredible to me Sometimes I know, like, because when I book people, I book them because I'm excited about their filmographies and I know that they're super talented, but it's different booking it with those intentions and actually doing the work and preparing and getting that bird's eye view of someone's filmography so, so like closely and intensely. And Mm -hmm. she's, she's done so much, so so much. much. Can I put you on the spot? What is your favorite Carla Gugino title? (sighs) I have to say the Spy Kids movies. Like I, I love Spy Kids. Uh, that is when I think of her, I think of Spy Kids because that I think was my first introduction to her work. But then of course, like the Flanagan stuff is the yeah. most recent and I love all of her work in that as well. But that's the one that I think of when you say her name, I'm like Spy Kids. It's hard for me not to say Fall the House of Usher, not just because it's most recent, but because like that is a very rare performance opportunity and she just like soars with it. She goes above and beyond with a, you know, one character who's essentially like a multitude of characters. And I, I find that very exciting. I watch San Andreas a lot, <laughs> like a lot, a lot. Also, I have a special place in my heart for a watchman because it's mm. one of the very first movies that I like officially covered as someone working in this industry. So I will always remember that particular film fondly. And the fact that after that movie, I went through a period of time where I was like, and I still do actually, where I was seeking out her work and making sure that I covered whatever came next. So Watchmen and everyone involved in that will always have a special place in my heart. It's a great film. Agreed. Agreed. All right. With that, we are out of here. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day for Wednesday. As I dribble out this outro, I'm trying to remember who's on tomorrow. It's me and Steve, right? I think so. It's like, it's not me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We will see you tomorrow, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern for a brand new edition of Collider Dailies with me, maybe with a new hat on, (laughs) and Steve with no hat on. We'll see you then. Have a good one, everyone. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. 
Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.